Welcome to the 198th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Chris Mosel grew up on a farm in southern Minnesota's Sibley County, surrounded by some of the most productive corn and soybean acres in the country. So after Chris graduated from college and decided he wanted to farm himself, it would make sense that he would start looking for land in his home county, right? Well, all that flat, fertile soil comes with a high price tag. Chris simply couldn't afford it. Fortunately, the kind of farming he wants to do, organic, grass-based dairy and beef production, doesn't always require top-flight, high-priced crop ground. Utilizing a managed rotational grazing system, pasture-based farmers can make use of land that might be considered too hilly, wet, or otherwise marginal for large-scale row crop production. That's why Chris was excited when, four years ago, he found a 138-acre farm for sale at a reasonable price in Stearns County, Minnesota, about 100 miles north of where he grew up. Stearns County is made up of hilly farmland broken up by woods, pastures, streams, and rivers. Such rough terrain is not so good for raising thousands of acres of corn, but perfect for producing livestock on land utilizing forages. That's one reason Stearns is the number one dairy county in Minnesota. Since he bought the land, Chris, who's in his early 30s and who works off the farm, has been using his spare time to prepare it for organic dairy production. He has recently completed setting up rotational grazing pastures using fencing and watering systems partially funded by the USDA's Environmental Quality Incentives Program. He's already been raising a few cattle on his rotational pastures and selling them through the conventional beef market. Chris has also been transitioning crop acres to organic production and has started collecting the equipment needed for milking. His father, Daryl Mosel, is beginning to wind down his own dairy farming career back in Sibley County, and Chris is hoping to be able to utilize some of his family's milking equipment eventually. Chris is also considering whether to build up his own organic milking herd or whether to buy a certified organic herd outright. Both strategies come with pluses and minuses. As a young farmer juggles all the logistics of becoming a full-time livestock producer, he's contemplating when to actually pull the trigger. Should it be sooner or later? Besides questions about herd development and equipment availability, there are other difficult issues to grapple with, such as market prices and quality of life considerations. I stopped by Chris's farm recently and got a tour of his pastures, crop fields, and milking parlor. He then talked to me about why he's choosing dairy farming what he's doing to launch his enterprise, and the advantages to utilizing a production system that doesn't require high-priced crop ground. Chris also shared his thoughts on the disadvantages of starting up a farm 100 miles from his family's home base. Chris, we uh, were talking a little bit this afternoon about some of the plans you have for this farm here, and you're kind of in a little bit of a waiting pattern, but you've done some things to try to prepare it for hopefully the possibility of doing a organic dairy, maybe even an organic grass-based dairy. But I was wondering if you could back up a little bit and talk a little bit about what got you interested in doing dairy in the first place, and I guess specifically organic dairy. Um, Well, I grew up on a dairy farm, so it's been a part of my family and my uh, childhood. I guess for me, dairy, and specifically organic dairy, Um, It's a difficult lifestyle. You have to make quite a commitment to it. So, um, but it is the best way to make a small farm viable. Um, If you're in animal agriculture, dairy, you apply labor and uh, can really, really build up even if you don't have a lot of acreage or a lot of capital to work with. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things you've done on this farm here to kind of get it 
ready. Um, we looked at some of your fencing systems and and that kind of thing, and and maybe then what needs to be done yet if you're once maybe you decide you are going to jump in and start producing milk and uh, uh, shipping milk off the farm. Well, I've been on this farm for uh, three and a half years now. First and probably most important step is transitioning the land to organic, so that I have feed uh, readily accessible. Um, and then I have about 50 acres of pasture that was overgrown. Fences were pretty close to non-existent, and that uh, was by default already organic. But I had no way to rotate the cows, and I have a creek and a brook running through the farm, and I'm not that far from the Mississippi River, so pretty serious water quality concerns. So I got a equip grant, um, and that was very helpful. Um, just got the last of the fencing in for rotational grazing, uh, including water lines and tanks so that I can keep the herd uh, moving and away from the, the water features on the farm. One of the things you had talked about was, so you have, you're kind of got quite a challenge going here in that you're farming, like you said, it's about an hour and 45 minute drive from your, the farm that you grew up on, your home farm, and your uh, folks are still farming down there. You're able to use, you know, trade equipment somewhat and and get get use get uh, some of your feed from there and all that. But that's quite a distance. And and I guess talk a little bit about the challenge of not being farming right in the neighborhood. This is more maybe a better area to do dairy because it is a dairy county is considered, and it, the ground is you said was more affordable because it's it's a little bit more marginal that type of thing than where you grew up, which is prime corn and soybean country. But then it sounds like there's some disadvantages to not having, not being able to be next to that older generation and be able to kind of share equipment and labor and that kind of thing. That's right. Uh, that's probably it's one of the things that I'll say the older generation was just right about, the older generation being my dad. We fought about that, still do. Um, you know, he said, oh, you want a farm? Look for a farm within walking distance, talk to the neighbors, see if they want to sell. And I said, oh, I don't I don't want $14,000 an acre Sibley County land. At that time, prices were high. And so that's not the kind of agriculture I want to do. And, you know, I want to graze, so I want to go go up north here and expand there. I said, I'll, I'll be able to do it. I don't need a lot of equipment. And, uh, and it's I can make it work. And uh, i got to say, I was mostly wrong about that. Um, I strongly recommend anybody thinking about starting out in a new location if you have a way to be close to friends or family support structure so that you can share machinery have people check on the farm when you're away at your full-time job that can really help so the distance is difficult i still don't regret getting lower priced land i don't think i would have been able to overcome the uh the difficulty of paying for really high-priced premium land when it you know, was mostly focused on animal agriculture. Um, so I, I do like this location, but it, it is a hardship to be far away from an established uh, family who, who has some of that equipment that I do need to share. What are some, so sitting here right now, if you were to, you're, you know, you're working part-time off the farm and kind of doing the commuting farming type of thing, but if you were to decide in the next few months that you were going to start milking, go into it and all that, what what's kind of remaining as far as getting set up here uh, on the operation? You've got 
some heifers here, but uh, it sounds like part of it is you have to you would have to get that herd going and that kind of thing. I would need quite a few more cattle. I have a little bit more work to do in the barn. Uh, crucial pieces in the barn, barn cleaner and pipeline. Most of the rest is ready to go, but gotta have those. And yeah, getting more cattle would would be difficult. I mean, prices are down, but putting that capital together would be a struggle. So I'd have to know that uh, we're gonna have a pretty stable price right out of the gate, and that it was gonna last for quite a few years into the future. Otherwise, I just wouldn't be able to do it. Can you talk about? I thought this this is a very important piece. How important it is in a way for a beginning farmer to have access to what some people would consider marginal land. Because you had mentioned that you actually were in a somewhat fortunate situation when you went to buy this farm or to bid on it. You, the, and I was a little bit surprised to hear that because it looks like the ideal dairy farm, but it's not the ideal farm in today's economy where people want to farm much bigger flatter air, air, acres, that kind of thing. Talk a little bit about how there was a little bit of an advantage there in that you didn't have to compete soup with a, a bunch of bidders, which you probably would have lost out because you wouldn't have been able to get the financing in order or whatever in time. They would have just bought you out or, uh, you know, outbid you right there. But that, that kind of this being a marginal farm and maybe not the ideal farm is a, kind of a benefit to a beginning farmer like you. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, that's why, you know, ended up a hundred miles away from my family's home base. I think anybody who's serious about grazing, they have quite an advantage in that they can go for erodible land, can uh, have land that's, you know, wooded, uh, that you're not going to be competing with somebody who's just interested in big fields, corn and soybeans, can go for, for a farm that's smaller fields and, uh, maybe has some rocks in it and stuff you can kind of work with. I guess I'm not saying you don't need high quality land in the mix. As part of your grazing plan, you've got to have somewhere for the cattle to go when it's wet or dry. So that has to be part of the mix. But you can get a farm with some more varied features. And uh, I've, I've found that not most farmers in today's, today's uh, commodity agriculture just aren't looking for that. Yeah, can you just give me a rundown of what kind of some of the disadvantages to this farm to, a, to a, someone who, who maybe is looking for that more ideal farming situation disadvantages to them but their advantage turned out to be advantages to you kind of that list of what kind of is going on here yeah well um (laughs) i I like this farm it's pretty but uh it's uh difficult to farm there's a creek and a brook and i uh, i drive around the brook to get to some of the fields the fields are all small so there's extra transaction time in pulling into the field out of the field hooking and unhooking, folding equipment up, and uh, the soil type varies quite a bit, so I can't just plant it all at once. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm in a valley, so the, the kind of the sides of the farm are very steep, so I have to have contour strips, so I have to have a variety of crops. Um, so interested in organic agriculture with most of the farm transitioning now, that's fine for me. I, I need to have rotation. I need to have alfalfa as part of the mix. I want to have pasture, but uh, for most farmers, controlling erosion, dealing with wetter fields, farming around waterways, um, that, that's all, that's all creates inefficiency, and you, you got to be in a position to uh, make up for that inefficiency 
with either price premiums or more of your labor. And uh, something I'm willing to do, and I, I would recommend considering that farm that's just slightly off if, if you are in the market for land and you're a young farmer without, without a lot of capital. Now, I will say, so we aren't picking on this farm too much, I got to say it's got a nice setup where the your your milking parlor, your barn, is fairly close to where you're setting up your paddocks. It, it, once you can figure out a way to get the cattle across the brook, I guess. But that that it is, uh, they're not going to have to walk a long ways and, and that kind of thing. It is kind of, because it's a smaller acreage that that helps. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it's, it's Stearns County, so it's dairy country. These farms were set up for dairy. I've got most of the buildings here that I would need already. I uh, don't really need to add anything. I do I do really like the mix of pastures, too. So high ground, low ground, mm-hmm. some shaded, some open. Yeah. But, yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all designed to graze all in all directions from the farm side. It's right in the right in the middle. So. It's, it's a patchwork quilt, I think, uh-huh. is the way you say Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> do you have any, uh, you'd mentioned a couple things, but do you have any advice for somebody who is maybe looking to you know, pursue farming, it's very hard to generalize because everybody has a different situation, they have different advantages, disadvantages, but any kind of things that really pop out for you that, oh, I wish I would have kind of known that when I was going into it or something I've learned along the way? I think mostly it comes down to managing finances. Mm-hmm. If you're going into vegetable production or something that's heavy on the marketing and it's lower capital, well, then you can take a little bit more risk. But if you are going into dairy or in a going to be mostly a crop farmer, commodity farmer. Um, better have a plan in place for price stability. Mm-hmm. That's my big big issue is, uh, and, and part of that's being organic or direct marketing. So if you're not great at marketing yourself, then you probably want to be organic. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be organic besides the financial side of it, but that's, that's definitely, I think, when you're young, you rush into it, you think I'll work harder. Um, that's certainly what I thought, you know, on the distance, on <laughs> some of the shortfalls with the with the farm, with I thought, oh, I'll just work around it. I can work harder. And and as you as you age a little bit, even even if you're very young, you'll burn out. Yeah. And uh, so make sure you got a good financial plan in place. And that uh, if marketing's going to be a part of that, make sure you've got somebody on your team that loves marketing, that loves getting out there, working on the web page, hitting the road, and talking to people. For more on the Land Stewardship Project's work helping families transition their farms to the next generation, see www.landstewardshipproject.org. There you can read more about Chris Mosel's entry into farming in the number 3 2017 issue of the Land Stewardship Letter. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.